0: Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Uh, you are now tuned into anything poudable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital Like Antoine when he shimmed after shots went through So tell me why you mad even Your team gon' be sad leaving After matching up with Brad Stevens Gang green, it's no other way So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date You heard? Hey <laughs> <Aziz. laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man
0: She Welcome to
1: Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Probable loser in Sunday's great one-on-one matchup between uh, me and him. There's no chance I'm losing. Jay King himself. uh, Jay King, who's reportedly 30 pounds uh, overweight and uh, did not look good in his last showing out on the basketball court. But he still has the confidence. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm looking forward
0: to Sunday because I am going to pummel you in front of whoever shows up to Langone Park. Uh, what time is it 2 p.m 2, 2 p.m
1: enough time for me to get a, a win in then we can all go home and enjoy the patriots
0: yeah you're not you're not gonna win it's just not happening
1: bro i've been hooping against 24 year olds for the entire summer i think i can deal you're with an out of trash. shape it inch, out of shape 39 year old like it i think it's no it's not gonna be a big deal good luck good luck well, everyone, you can come out and watch, uh, watch that fun matchup on Sunday. But we're here at Talk Seas, as we are every week. You and did pick the water
0: park that has the stiffest wind, probably in Boston, because it's right on the water. And it's a beautiful setting, like beautiful place to play I'm basketball. an aesthetics guy.
1: I'm an aesthetics
0: guy. But the breeze is no joke. If it's at all windy that day, shooting will be very,
1: very difficult. And that is key, because I uh, can't shoot. Um, so it's going to be interesting. How much do you weigh? 185 pounds.
0: Yeah, I got you by 50 pounds. It's going to be bully ball.
1: <laughs> You're, I'm just going to foul you every time. You're just going to plan on
0: posting up? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because I won't feel your fouls.
1: Yeah, but I'll just go around you with speed. You have no speed. you lateral movement. I'm far more skilled than you are and will take advantage of you. You're going to be gassed. Um, but That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just going to be a battle of wills and endurance. Uh, But we do have some news to talk about before we get to. We have some, uh, obviously, I asked for some listener questions. We love listener questions, so we'll get to those. And then we're going to eventually rank where we think the Celtics are in this kind of new beefed-up Eastern Conference. But we got some transaction news. We actually have a trade. I don't think it's actually gone through yet. But Trader Brad, guy comes in and is just dealing left and right. He sends Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards to the Grizzlies for Juancho Hernan Gomez. Jay, what do you think of the deal?
0: I think it was smart. I don't know if it'll make a huge impact at all on the Celtics next season, but that's the type of player the Celtics needed. They needed a power forward with size to push Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum down a position, and they needed shooting. And if, if Hernan Gomez works out, is that how you say it? Aaron and Gomez? I don't know. Hernan Gomez? He is from Spain. So, yeah. Let's um, call him Wancho. It's easier if, if you just say if, Wancho. If Wancho works out, then he'll give them two things that they need, which is size that's not center size, and also shooting. And he does not have a great track record. Like, he, he <laughs> yeah, I was going to
1: say, shooting is kind of a questionable – uh, He was good for – Like
0: 14 games or whatever it was after he first got traded to the Timberwolves. He showed some promise early in his career with the Nuggets, but like there's not a great track record of him being a viable NBA player. But the Celtics gave up hardly anything. Like Chris Dunn was going to be buried on their depth chart. His body is very iffy at this stage of his career. And Carson Edwards, there's a lot of proof that he's just not an NBA player, at least at this stage of his life. So it's, it's worth doing. And Wancho's deal is only guaranteed for this coming season. So it wasn't a commitment to any long-term salary. So it just, it made sense, even though it may not end up like adding many wins to the Celtics win total. Wancho may not play much, but he's just another option at power forward and another option for shooting.
1: Yeah, that's the, the entire crux of the trade, I think, is that the Celtics traded two guys who are not very good for another guy who I don't think is very good, but he's the right size. And he's tall, and like they needed a power forward, and he plays power forward. He and fits the mold. Yeah, he, for roster construction purposes, they shuffled around the deep end of their bench, and uh, they just have like everything uh, aligns better now. Just in terms of positions. So he is listed at 6'9. He's 240. He's big. He has shot for 14 game stretches of his career. If he can just do anything in terms of being like a stretch four, that's all you want. But I, I like don't think he played 17 minutes a game last year on the Timberwolves. And, uh, yeah, the and Timberwolves... he was losing minutes
0: to some guys who you probably never heard of
1: yeah, the Timberwolves aren't good, and so if you can't get like that much m- m- burn from the Timberwolves, I don't know how like what hopes you have for the Celtics but well, he, he
0: has he has kind of similar excuses to the Celtics for last season. So and and even even better excuses, honestly. he he was st- in a movie with Adam Sandler and he thought that it was going to be like earlier in the offseason than it was. So he ended up missing some, some off-season workouts. I think he came to training camp not in great shape. Then he got COVID. And so he has a lot of the same excuses the Celtics had last season. Plus, he has the Adam Sandler movie excuse.
1: Which, which the is, movie is coming out. It, that's the, it's not a great excuse like to say, like, oh, I just didn't work out. Like, Wasn't he playing basketball in the movie? Did it prohibit him from getting in shape? No, nobody
0: thought that the NBA season was going to start so early. So he probably figured, okay, I'll – I'll star in this movie. I don't even know if he's a star in the movie. He'll he'll be in the movie. He'll act in the movie and then show up to have plenty of time to get in shape for training camp. Then the NBA was like, Ah, sorry, bro. We're we're starting this thing up real early and and getting things underway. And
1: it, it hurt Wancho a little bit. I think the one thing working in his favor is that he's historically been the better of the two, Hernan Gomez, and so if you can get the better brother, uh, I do think that is uh, valuable because I just looked up Willie Hernan stats and he's uh, per- might be worse than Wancho. Wancho, I guess, is a little smaller and does more shooting, but um, yeah, Willie cool. Willie can play
0: offense too. They, they can play offense. They're they're not def- <laughs> defensive masterminds um but they they're they're both skilled for for their given positions and Wancho like he can shoot and one thing that a couple of people brought up when I asked around about Wancho is that when he's at his best like he's very good at moving without the ball and and kind of adding that type of spice to an offense so it's not just like he's just simply a spot-up shooter he's a guy who has a little bit of gravity and will move around and kind of add some some of that to the offense which I think the Celtics needed that too. Like some of their spacing last year were guys that were only standstill shooters. And I think Wancho, like he's, he's going to be a standstill shooter too, but he'll, he'll move around a little bit. He knows how to play offense. And when he's at his best, like he was down the stretch of that season with the Timberwolves for a very short period of time, he can be a, a very, he can be at least a helpful offensive player. Um, so we'll see we'll see if if he fits in he definitely like is what the Celtics need if if he is actually a decent NBA player yeah if, if he can the shoot, jurys out
1: if he can shoot anywhere close to that 14 game stretch like if he can shoot I would say even above 38% is this like serviceable three-point shooter. We've talked at length about how this team needs um, shooting and especially from the power forward position. Uh, It will be a nice little addition for the Celtics. But there is really just no, like I said, no risk to not so great players for another not so great player who just happens to be taller. Uh, More transactions because Brad don't stop. Uh, Brad's continuing to fill out the bottom of the roster. He signed a deal for who he signed Jawan Morgan, who I've never heard of. Um, but will reportedly compete for a training camp spot with the Celtics. Jay, tell me about Jawan.
0: Jawan started a couple games for the Jazz in the playoffs two years ago. Uh, he's like a 6'7", 230-pound forward who is known for his defense and seems to be like a switchy, versatile type. He could potentially end up sliding into the, the vacant two-way spot Uh, next to Sam Hauser with the main Celtics. Um, And he seems like another guy who kind of fits into the mold of what the Celtics needed, which is like a a bigger power forward type. I I don't know. Obviously, there's not much space for him on the roster unless the Celtics waive Jabari Parker, whose contract is not guaranteed. Um, And obviously, it's just an exhibit, Exhibit 10 contract, which doesn't guarantee Jawan Morgan a, a spot on the roster at all. Um, but I do think it's possible that he ends up as a two-way guy and uh, he, he'll be eligible for a two-way slot if if the Celtics want to do that and if he wants to do that.
1: I do have to say RIP to the great debate of uh, Jabari Parker versus Carson Edwards. Uh, with the trade, where do they stand on currently like, current players on the roster? I guess not clown counting Jawan and uh, Luke Cornett, who they also signed to a non-guaranteed deal. Like, wh- how many bodies do they have?
0: Uh, let me count. Eighteen, including Sam Hauser, right? And that Juwan sounds Jorge, about right. Luke Cornett. yeah, I think eighteen.
1: So they can have fifteen going into the season. So it's, unless those guys beat out Jabari, you would assume Jabari is going to be that fifteenth guy on the roster. So the yeah, debate, I, the debate would, is I, over.
0: I would get. I would guess they have a. Competition for that spot. Like, why would you just hand it over to Jabari Parker?
1: I'm not gonna hand it over. Obviously, you uh you bring in these guys, but just given the kind of body of work, the fact that you can like kind of pivot Jawan Morgan to it two way so you can keep him in the organization. Who knows? Maybe Luke Cornette, the Green Hornet, will uh will show out, but I I don't know. Uh I do not don't necessarily think he did enough to – he didn't do enough to get a uh, guaranteed contract. He had, I had
0: that one come back against the Thunder, though. It was magic. It was, it was it, a
1: magical moment. It was
0: a big night for the Green
1: Cornet. Do you think they, like – when's Jabari's guarantee date? Is it, like, before – or is it, like, right before the season? Do they, like, I, not keep him to keep a spot I, open for a I buyout?
0: I last week. I should know it. I think it's the the first day of the regular season. But let me check right now.
1: Because I just think that, and this question comes from um, Eddie Truth Faustino, who's the de facto segment producer for us, and his many list of questions. Um, it's yeah, just his like his
0: salary guarantees the first game of the season.
1: So it's like whether or not you guarantee that salary, or do you kind of keep that open for or uh, half, a, half of it. Though sorry, a two way. It's probably not that much money, so they can probably keep him on. And then if they'll buy out candidate Jabari's an easy guy to just cut, and you kind of eat that money if there's really someone on the buyout market but who knows I don't really know like I think we'll talk about this later uh when we rank the Celtics but I don't know if they're really a a buyout destination I don't know which players are dying to kind of go there's to there's only Celtics.
0: two buyout destinations maybe three now it's the Nets obviously they just it doesn't matter if they have roster spots they'll just add you it they, what do they have like 17 guys with guaranteed contracts right now it's it's getting kind of ridiculous. Uh, and if you're Lakers. over 35, uh, you automatically Lakers. get
1: qualified to be a member of the Lakers. Yep. And then
0: I, th- I still think the Warriors are a buyout spot to watch because I think they combine. They could be very good, at least um, if Clay comes back healthy. And they also have chance for minutes. Like you, you can look at that roster and be like, okay, I can go there and make a real impact.
1: Now, the Larry Bird mittens at Birdie Mittens asked if well, this is the kind of the final evolution of the Celtics roster. I think the roster is pretty much in place going into training camp. We have 18 guys. I don't really see them adding anyone. As we mentioned, the buyout market is um, kind of it's for three teams. I do think like it's interesting that they brought in basically the guys competing for jobs right now are Jabari Parker, Wancho, uh, Jawan Morgan, all basically power forwards with size. If I'm Grant Williams right now, I'm like, there's there's a little bit like breathing down my neck. Like, what do you think that means for Grant's role uh, moving forward? And where do you think he kind of fits into the rotation?
0: I think it's pretty obvious that the Celtics have made moves to position themselves to have, like, a bunch of wild cards at that spot. Like, I, they clearly don't consider Grant Williams like an automatic, or from, from the moves they've made, they don't consider Grant Williams an automatic part of the rotation. Um, I think because of the the texture of their backcourt with not a lot of shooting, it could make it even tougher for Grant Williams. Like, if you're going to be playing Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, and Marcus Smart a lot of minutes, you're going to need to surround those guys with shooting. And obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will give you that. But I think some of the Celtics' personnel decisions – will have to be like, okay, we need another shooter on the court right now. Grant Williams isn't necessarily that. If they if they try to just lean into defense, maybe Grant can carve out a role. Maybe he can just improve because, you know, as a rookie, he showed some promise, I thought. Uh Second year, he didn't improve much, but it, it was a weird season for everybody. So we'll see. I, I, I think he's in the mix with Aaron and Gomez, Jabari Parker, and – Maybe maybe Jawan Morgan if if he shows well in training camp, um, to to play some backup four minutes because I think if you look at the roster, four is the power forward spot is an obvious I don't want to say weakness because you can use Jalen Brown there, you can use Jason Tatum there, you might be able to use Al Horford there if if that still works. Um, but that, that's that's a spot where there should be minutes available if someone plays well enough to take that. Yeah, and I think it's like it's not gonna be settled
1: in training camp, is it? Like they're obviously they're gonna have some like we're guessing, or I'm guessing right now, like Jabari's gonna and Wancho and Grant are all gonna be on the roster. There's no like I think Grant probably gets the early minutes if like for that backup four position, but how often does that actually like come up without an injury? So but like it might be settled halfway into the season as someone goes out and like grabs that role or plays well or strings together a couple of games. I think it really comes down to, like, who's the best shooter or who's the best, like, offensive creator. Like, Jabari Parker's not going to, like, step out and knock down a lot of threes. But we saw, like, he can give you eight points pretty quickly. I just think it's, like, that's what the Celtics need the most, I think, from that position is just a little bit of offense. And so I think it's really going to be, like, can Wancho shoot or can Grant shoot? Um, Because I just, like, and Grant, I think, is a step ahead of both those guys just because of what he can do defensively his physicality, his uh, ability to switch just compared to those two guys. Uh, but it's really just like, all right, 40 games in, like who's who's provided the best offensive spark off the bench?
0: And then I think the other variable is how much will they play Al Horford at, at power forward? Because if he's starting there, then you're not going to need as many minutes for a power forward. Um, but if he's not and they're kind of splitting minutes between – Horford and Robert Williams, maybe Ennis Kanter thrown in there a little bit, um, then that opens up an opportunity for for more guys at that spot. I think if you look at the roster, it's clearly weighted more toward guards and perimeter-oriented guys, and then centers. Like that four spot, there's like a, a void of obvious rotation guys in that spot. Um, it could be Horford. It could be one of those guys you mentioned. It could just be that they decide to play small a lot with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown there, and then have like Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart, and Aaron Neesmith, or Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart, and Dennis Schroeder. Like there are ways that they could go pretty small on the perimeter um, without relying on any of the natural power forward types. So we'll see. We'll see. Jimmy has got a lot to figure out.
1: The thing that's interesting about the kind of roster construction is. It does tilt more towards, uh, I guess, a smaller lineup. But they have a lot of, like, if we think of the traditional positions, they have a lot of forwards, and then they have a lot of point guards. Like, who's their backup shooting guard right now? Like, I'm imagining the second lineup, it's Dennis Schroeder, and then your backup shooting guard is probably Peyton Pritchard, and you've already put yourself, at your pretty small team. Like, you can could put be, Romeo
0: in. Could be, could be they start Al Horford at four, and Josh Richardson's <laughs> the backup shooting guard. So it, a lot of that depends on the lineup decisions. I I think depending on who he starts, Ime Odoka can like kind of change the, the entire look of the Celtics. Um, and I do think you're right. Like there'll be times when they have a very small backcourt when it's shooter and Peyton Pritchard and, and maybe that'll work. Like we'll see. Um, they'll, they'll have a lot of defensive versatility around those guys. um, but when you look at it and it's also another reason why when you look at the way the roster is built, like what is Peyton Pritchard's role going to be? Cause I, I think he was obviously very promising as a rookie and among all their younger guys, he was one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent. Um, and he was pretty important to whatever success the Celtics had last year. But like you said, like if you bring Dennis Schroeder off the bench, it's, it's just an awkward pairing with with him and Pritchard because of their size. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how how all that works out. But I do wonder if if Pritchard will end up kind of getting squeezed out of things a little bit um, just because the fit with Schroeder isn't perfect.
1: Yeah, it's it's just is a weird
0: fit. Schroeder
1: Schroeder is a weird fit. Um, yeah, because like when he comes in, it's like you. Like when he was the most effective, when he was like six man of the year type guy, you like the ball was in his hands and he kind of he's not sure, the biggest person. Chris, it
0: was in Chris Ball's hands a lot. It was in Shea Gilgis's hands a lot. When
1: like they down the stretch, they did that, but they also gave Schroeder like a lot of times, like you're the ball handler now. And so Peyton Pritchard's gonna have to, if he wants to like coexist with him, play off ball. But I think also Peyton Pritchard's pretty good with the ball in his hands too. When you can see like pretty good at creation and getting to the rim. And so I don't know how that's going to kind of um, figure itself out. The other thing that's interesting about the rotation, I think, is something that also uh, kind of points to maybe Al Horford playing or at least getting a, a shot at the power four position is I'm not saying that he needs to have a role, but I am saying that Ennis Cantor does exist. And as playing like a backup five, he can come in for, even if it's just like six minutes a half, And come in and just give you a bunch of offensive rebounding. And, like, he's been effective in that role. Like, I know his deep pick and roll defense is bad. But, like, that is something you can use. And so you don't necessarily need to have Robert Williams be the primary center and then uh, Al Horford come in and be the backup center. You have, like, a pretty – like, Ennis Cantor, for all the kind of critiques I've given over the year, is a solid backup center. And you have that option. And so you can more easily pivot uh, Horford to the four because you don't – you have already someone in that role – And, like, Ennis is an NBA player. Like, he's ready to play. And so I think that, like, I wouldn't be shocked if the starting lineup would be Marcus, Tatum, Brown, Horford, Rob Williams.
0: Yeah, that that won't shock me either. Um, And I I do think with Cantor, he's an interesting piece, too. Like, Pritchard, like, there will be – if Ime Odoka chooses to play a certain way, then Cantor could get pushed out of the rotation entirely. But if Horford starts at four – then Cantor could be, you know, nightly 14 minute guy or whatever the case may be. Um, so that, that all depends on how Udoka decides to play. And I, I do think you're right, like Cantor as a backup center is in the regular season in most matchups is useful, and he's proven that year after year after year that he's highly productive. That you know, the Celtics couple years ago I think they outscored opponents by nine points per 100 possessions when he was on the court something like that so if if you use him in the right situations and pretty much a lot of matchups in the regular season especially against second units are the right situations for him then he can be effective and I think also like with the Celtics backcourt there could be a lot of offensive rebound chances and
1: (laughs) this and this gobbles those up
0: so with Ennis shooting
1: there could also be a lot of offensive rebound chances cuz that's the Ennis special. I need an Ennis
0: a few Ennis 3s this year.
1: That could be fun. I think there's like a lot of pressure on Horford to be able to perform and be like the kind of able to just be at the four like he was in the Baines year but that he like wasn't able to recreate with Embiid. And there's all sorts of different situations why it didn't work in Philly, but he can do it or has done it in the past. I just don't know if he like has the his physical capabilities of doing it now. But I do think because of all the reasons we mentioned, it just makes the roster that much more dangerous if he's an effective playmaker um, next to Rob Williams.
0: Yeah, and I also think part of that will be who complements Tatum and Brown the best. Like what what style allows them to play the best. And I'm not sure what that will be whether it's surrounding them with, like, more 33% three-point shooting guards or surrounding them with a couple – a traditional front court. Like, we'll see. Um,
1: Yeah, because it felt like like Horford was most effective with, like, Isaiah Thomas and, like, a ball-dominant point guard where he could play at the elbow and facilitate things and you could do pick and pop. But maybe that's not as, like, useful if he's not providing the kind of spacing that, like, Brown and Tatum would need to kind of operate – um, like, do you run the offense through Horford when you have Tatum and Brown on the court, like just as a facilitator? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see kind of the offense uh Eme sets up. And I also think like people are scarred
0: by the Tice Thompson duo last year. And as they should be. Some of those <laughs> minutes went, but Horford and Robert Williams is a very different duo. Horford is a much better playmaker than Tice. Um Robert Williams is obviously far more dynamic than Tristan Thompson, so I, I think that duo is very different. Will it succeed? I'm not sure. I'm I'm skeptical, actually. But like, you don't have to be afraid of because of the tice Thompson duo necessarily, because that that was a far more limited duo than yeah the and idea Warford of two bigs.
1: It should not be ruined for anyone. Like, you can still do that in the NBA. But I do think it's, like, one of the early season questions. Like, everything we're talking about is, like, kind of what the rotation is. But, like, the first thing to ask is, like, can the Celtics be effective with, like, a a lineup that gets a lot of minutes with Horford and um, Robert Williams? And so that's going to be, like, the early thing to watch for.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then I I think, to me, when they're going to be at their best is when they build, like, just long athletic defense – um, I think their best lineups will probably be like Marcus Smart, Josh Richardson, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, just because I think the defensive flexibility there and the, the the potential for ball pressure and kind of keeping teams uncomfortable, that's those lineups could be very interesting. Or whenever you have Marcus Smart at point guard, whether it's Neesmith next to him, uh maybe Romeo Lankford if if he can improve offensively, um like they'll have some some options to keep a lot of defensive speed and length and knowledge out there. So I, I those are the lineups that are most interesting to me. But then the, the like the Horford Robert Williams thing, if they can play together, that that will also open up like different ways for them to play. Um, if they can,
1: they need to find a third, or I guess a fourth option, because I feel like. Um as much as you want to have the Horford Williams can like there together. I do think there's a, if Neesmith can step up and be that guy who can give you the versatility on defense and give you something on offense, or Richardson can kind of step in and not be terrible on offense or in a crazy world, it's like Peyton Pritchard or Dennis Schroeder and you do go kind of small, but like, they're still like effective and high flying around. I just like the, like the ability of like to play. You can either close with like those four guys at, and Al Horford, maybe if you like the matchup depends or Robert Williams and having just the ability to kind of, uh, sm- like be, be a little bit smaller. Uh, I just think makes them more dangerous. So I think they need, ideally that person is, uh, Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Langford right now. I have more, uh, kind of faith in Neesmith to step up, but I do think if one of those guys can be a solid someone you can go to and you trust to finish games, it just makes it so you don't have to rely on that Horford, um, Robert Williams uh, kind of pairing. And you can play, like with Horford, you can play some five out. With uh, Time Lord, you can still really space the floor and just run high, pick, and roll with him. I think that's like probably where they're most dangerous, but for them to do that, they need to have that kind of reliable fifth guy on the floor. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to miclobeultra.com slash courtside to learn more.
0: Yeah, I think depending on how how the Udoka decides to start, the bench could be filled with a lot of like proven guys. Like if you think about it, they could have Schroeder, Richardson, and Ennis Cantor all off the bench. And those guys were all starters on playoff teams in the Western Conference last season and can't, can't there because of injury. But like, that's very different from what the Celtics rotation was last season. Extremely different, especially before they added Fournier at the trade deadline. Um, and obviously part of that was injuries with Kemba Walker, everybody else. Part of that was COVID to Jason Tatum. So many others. Um, but like, they should probably feel a little more confident about their depth now than they did last season. And we've we've seen Brad Stevens kind of trim the fat a little bit and, and try to get potentially useful players, whereas I, I feel like last year the Celtics went into the season with a lot of guys who were, like, borderline NBA players and didn't have much potential to be more than borderline NBA players. Yeah, and seems- part of that was part of that was they miscalculated on Jeff Teague. They thought he had more left than he did. Um, but do we blame
1: was- Danny or do we blame Brad for that? Because I always thought of Teague as like a very much a Brad Stevens guy, but uh, he was not the head of player personnel. But it was a big. I feel like they missed on Teague and they missed on Tristan Thompson, and so. They haven't really, like, all the other guys are, are pretty much proven in the NBA. I guess Thompson and Teague were proven, but they're still a little bit older. It's good, But I do think, agree with you, that the bench, they just have, clearly have more depth. It's just um, about kind of trying to assemble it in a rotation that kind of makes sense and kind of maximizes, especially everything around Jalen and Jason.
0: Yeah, because they have a lot of, like, flawed players and flawed in different ways. Um, so Udoku will have to mix and match. I'm curious to see how much experimenting he does Uh, because I I do feel like the Celtics will be be able to play a lot of different ways this year. Um, They'll have some lineups with a lot of shooting, some lineups with hardly any shooting, some lineups that are small and super fast with a lot of guys who can make plays, Uh, some lineups that are much bigger, probably a little bit clunkier, um, but could work out all the same. So he'll he'll have a lot of different... Kind of options, um, and I'm interested to see how much he experiments with that in his first season with the Celtics, and how much he sticks with lineups that don't necessarily work right away. Um, is he stubborn with that? I feel like Brad Stevens, like he always gave those lineups a chance for a while, just to see if if they would kind of come around and learn how to play together. Like um, he always always knew the numbers, and but sometimes he would just keep keep trying to play lineups and because he saw something in them that necessarily didn't play itself out in the, the numbers right away so we'll see the Udoka.
1: yeah but brad also like i felt like tried a bunch of different stuff like he did kind of go like he would try things and then like kind of keep going to it but he had a willingness to try it's going to be interesting to see if like Ime is like trying to make it so it's like you're that you like this is your role and like really trying to impart that on certain players like schroeder you should expect to like come in at the six minute mark of every first quarter. And maybe that stability is something that like players want. And so um, I don't know, it, it'll be fascinating to see because we've never really seen even no one's seen Eme coach uh, a game and know what his rotation's like and what his theories are. And so it's going to be just interesting to like kind of see how that develops and whether or not he's like you said, stubborn or he's willing to just throw shit against the wall, which generally I'm for. And Obviously fans are going to be for because every fan on Twitter knows exactly how to run an NBA rotation.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: they are all
0: experts. I'm working on like a story predicting the Celtics rotation and what it could be. It is so fucking hard to to make lineups that make sense for 48 straight minutes while keeping everyone to like a manageable minutes load it's it's almost impossible are you actually
1: like building out the rotations like where they would go in in the quarter like you were playing NBA 2k
0: yeah and it's really hard and I saw when you're screaming at coaches for playing a bad lineup for like two minutes just know they know way better than you (laughs) that it's a bad lineup and that it'll probably suck but they're trying to deal with so many different factors um and sometimes coaches are just make bad decisions, but there's a lot that goes into it. And every time I try to make a, build out a
1: rotation, I'm like, man, <laughs> this <laughs> is this coaching stuff's Co- difficult. Coach no joke. <laughs> it's just wild because you have to manage like like yes, who's on the court, but it's also a managing of personalities too. Where it's like, are you going to be able to like clearly communicate to the player what is expected of them? And then if like you just have an idea it's like, oh, this rotation is going to change, and then you bench a player. For the rest of the game does that like mess with their head like it's there's a lot of things you have to kind of deal with and like maybe you have to show that you trust a player so you put him back in knowing that that rotation isn't necessarily the best but like you want that guy's confidence up and that like, show that you have faith in him so there's like a lot of different things that go into it other than just looking up on nba.com like which five player ranking is the best net rating yeah there's there's definitely a lot All right, to finish off today's show, we are going to debate. I don't know if we're going to debate because I don't know where you uh, feel the Celtics rank, but we are going to try to figure out where the Celtics are in the Eastern Conference. We can either do this in the athletic cop-out tier method, or we can do this in the hot take. They are definitively above or definitively below certain teams. Jay, I'll let I think you we go hot take. Let's go hot take. I bet I you like, didn't expect that out of me. I didn't. Normally, you do not like to make hot takes. Normally, you're a middleman. Um, all right. Start off. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, 1-2 in the East. Am I – anything else?
0: I think Brooklyn won. Brooklyn, yeah, clear yeah. one. Brooklyn, clear one. If they are healthy, they're my one. I, I know that the Bucks won a title. I know Giannis reached another level during the playoffs. I know they got Tremont Waters now. They got Whopped by – the nets when the nets were even reasonably healthy like they had james harden dragging around on one leg they had kyrie Irving out and kevin durant still almost won that series so absolutely I'm, nets are the clear I'm going one to say nets are number 1 bucks are number 2 and then things get tricky
1: and it gets a little bit t- difficult because just on paper i would go sixers But with the whole Ben Simmons situation, it's very difficult to figure out what they're going to be in the regular season.
0: What are they going to be? We have no clue. Um, And obviously, like, Simmons, that situation appears headed for a breakup. Um, So what will they get back? Will they have, like, C.J. McCollum? Will they have Pascal Siakam? Will they have some random dudes from the Warriors or something? Buddy
1: Heald and... uh yeah. Guy. what's yeah name? like
0: like what what are they gonna get out of that trade can they keep Simmons and somehow figure things out at this point I doubt it but
1: so sixers are a tentative three I still put them even if Ben Simmons comes back or would like I think Maury's gonna be stubborn enough where he's just like not gonna trade him for like without getting some solid players back Joel Embiid, as much as I criticize him uh, for fading in the fourth quarters, my criticisms of Joel Embiid are the playoffs and like not being in condition for the playoffs and never getting out of the second round because people forget Joel Embiid's never got out of the second round. But last year before he got hurt, regular season Embiid up for was yeah. fucking good. And the Celtics could not stop him whatsoever. It's not like they, they added have, a- They have
0: more Embiid stoppers now, though. They Al Horford? Al Horford. Al Al Horford did did very well on Joel Embiid. Cantor, like somewhat handled him. And, and Embiid's a different beast now. Like he's not the same guy he was two, three years ago when Al Horford was doing a pretty good job on and him. And Al Horford
1: uh, might be a little bit older, uh, maybe not and be able. Yeah, to. a little
0: creakier. So, but they, I think they're a little better equipped to to handle Embiid this year. That's so he's a, only going to get 30 and only like 36 and 12 with 17 free throw attempts per game.
1: Last year was like 40 and 20 in every game and this next year it's going to be uh 30 and 15. So I still think the Sixers uh are right there at number 3. Who would you have at number 4 in the Eastern Conference? Cuz I have a I, I think it's the Heat. I uh, just think they're better than I think
0: the Heat could be 3 too. Um they're in the conversation for 3 even if the Sixers make a good trade. Um, I just think the Sixers are going to miss Ben Simmons. Like they are going to miss Ben Simmons. He gives them so much defensively that it's going to be hard to approach the level they were defensively without him, no matter who they pick up. Um, So I just think, yes, like they kind of need to move on because of how tense things got between Simmons and the other key pieces in that organization last season. But it's it's tough to envision a trade that they move him and and they still have the same strengths like they could get CJ McCollum and have a much better you know creator at the end of games but they're not they going to be the get... best defense in the league anymore but yeah like what 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 happens to their defense in in that scenario so we'll see what happens with them i would actually lean heat 3 heat 3 sixers 4 um I just think the heat and, and there's a chance the heat goes wrong, right? Because they're old, because they're old. Kyle Lowry is aging. Um, but I just think they have a chance to have an unbelievable defense, and then they have Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson flying around screen, shooting threes, Bam out of bio. like there's just a lot of talent there, and a lot of guys who know how to play the game. So and a lot of tough, gritty guys. So I'm I'm high on the Heat this year.
1: Yeah, just it's pure like Kyle Lowry respect for me. He's just been a very solid point guard, and he's like the guy you want making decisions, the ball in your hand in his in his hands. Like I think to surround him with Butler, um, Bam, who are just like you would presume is just, like going to continue to get better, and then to have Hero, Duncan Robinson, and guys like that running around. I think it's just going to be a very solid team. I don't really get the PJ Tucker signing. I don't think it like is going to be uh, is the best for, fit for them. But I just think if you're talking Why? in terms of because is he going to like play in the fourth quarters? Are you like then yeah. you have Jimmy and PJ Tucker on the court and Bam? You basically you don't have B. a J. lot of Tucker, spacing. Bam. It's going to be a very good defense.
0: Lowry shoots a lot of threes. Duncan Robinson is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You can't
1: have three basically non-shooters on the court uh, on playoff defense. I just don't think it works out that well. Maybe – I mean, the Bucs just showed that you could, like – but I don't think anyone's on the level of Giannis. But P.J. Tucker's a bench piece.
0: And and you could also go with Tyler Hero in those lineups and have a lot more scoring and a little different texture. Um, But to me, like, they just have a ton of toughness. And P.J. Tucker, like, they needed another Jay Crowder type, like Somebody with the size to guard fours. I think they missed that last year. They tried to get it with Trevor Ariza,
1: but But he's not gonna be able to knock like the, the beauty of Jay Crowder is that he can give you that size and that toughness, but also like knock down by e. threes in a hot game. sometimes.
0: Don't let him get hot.
1: He rarely gets hot. Um he now if we were doing the tier methods, I think we just went through tiers one and two. Now I think is where the East gets very interesting and You could go in a whole number of different directions. I, because I'm an ultimate homer, I think that's where the Celtics are, and I think they're better than the Knicks and the Hawks and anyone else you would have in that discussion at the moment. I think the Hawks are a good story. I think the Hawks very much lucked out from being able to play the Sixers in the second round and kind of had a a complete Sixers meltdown. Um, but I don't necessarily uh, believe in the Hawks moving forward purely because I just believe in the Celtics more. Uh, But I think the Celtics have kind of on uh, paper, like the same amount of talent um, as the Knicks and the Hawks right now. And I would say more top end talent just because out of those three teams, I think Jason Tatum's clearly the best player. And then I would say Trey Young and then Julius Randle. And then I would go probably Jalen Brown. Like I think they have – the majority of the top-end talent, um, and that's usually what wins basketball games.
0: Yeah. I, I, no finish from those three would surprise me. Um, and there's a lot to figure out for the Celtics. Like, a lot of it is just theoretical right now, whereas we saw the Hawks reach the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, we saw – and the Knicks will be different. Like gonna extremely wildly different, which they is had, like- they had an awesome defense, and then they added Kemba and they added Evan Fournier. And so, I, I think obviously their defense won't be the caliber it was last season. How much of a hit will that take? I don't know. But Walker and Fournier give them a lot of offense, offensive punch that they needed last season. How much can Kemba play? Who knows? How much can his knee handle? Is Julius Randle's
1: season last year like, is that? Was that just the product of him being the only offensive option? It, like, I don't know if I fully believe in Julius yet. Like, he's done it for basically one year and got the big contract. I, like, wouldn't be shocked if he did it again because he clearly was very consistent all throughout last year. But he was the main option on that team. I just don't know if he's going to be able to put up the same numbers clearly. And he's I think his usage rate is going to go way down when you add Kemba, when you add Fournier. And those guys, like the Knicks kind of were – we're a bully ball team last year where it's like, we're going to beat you 92 to 88 and just like play really tough defense. Kemba and Fournier not known for their defense. Um, Like I wouldn't shock me, but I just think the Celtics would, like we've mentioned all the things they have to figure out, but at the end of the day, it's just like, you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who are still young, still very talented and are getting better uh, each year they've been in the league.
0: Yeah, I I think I put both the Hawks and the Celtics above the Knicks. I think the Knicks are due for some regression defensively and I'm 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 just not sold that Walker and Fournier will give them enough offensive power to justify like the drop off that that defense will probably have. I also think like
1: a lot went right for the Knicks last season. Um they're going to be doomed by expectations. Like how it's going to be a classic thing where it's like, oh, they made the playoffs last year. They were a top four seed. People are going to, and they got these two kind of big names. People are going to come in and, and like expect big things from them, especially Knicks fans, because Knicks fans are some of the most irrational in sports. I think it's, uh, we've seen teams like the Celtics. It's kind of how do you deal with kind of expectations being so high? It doesn't normally go that well, especially when it's just, it's not like they added amazing talent like Kemba is solid but like flawed and I don't maybe Tibbs will just run him into the ground but like Fournier is not a huge star uh, so I don't know I I just I don't think they're I would agree with you I think the Hawks and Celtics are better Um, you have to pick one now who do you think is better the Celtics or the Hawks?
0: I'm picking Celtics five or was yeah Celtics five Hawks six and then I've Think I would have Knicks seven, but I do think the Hornets and yeah, buddy, that was going to be the my Wizards name. and the Pacers. Like,
1: no love for the new look chance. Bulls.
0: Oh, the Bulls too. Yeah, the Bulls. I I really don't love what they did, but they got better.
1: <laughs> they did um, add talent.
0: Yeah, so the the Bulls I think will be. I'm gonna go Bulls seven.
1: Ahead of the Knicks,
0: Knicks eight, Wizards nine, Hornets ten. But the 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 order of the last four, and then the Pacers too. Who would be eleventh? Um, I, I could go either way on on those. I I actually think the Wizards got better. Like they they traded away Russell Westbrook, but they got Dinwiddie. They they got better depth especially at
1: areas they needed um with Kuzma and KCP so and Thomas Bryant only played 10 games for them last year and Thomas Bryant was like very solid big man the year before I think if they can get like a like if he's their starting center for the majority of the year they don't have to rely on the weird like 10 minutes of Daniel Gafford uh I just think it makes a lot more sense I think the Wizards are up there i Again, completely biased. I'm going to go Nick seven. And then I think it's, uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, they're just sources close to the situation saying they might be making some promotions from player development coach to assistant coach. Um, and that might be in the works soon. I think the, they're going to have a much improved. And offense where are the Raptors? Of, oh, Raptors are not uh, the Raptors are. I would put them on the same level of the Pacers. I think the Hornets. I agree with you. Hornets, Bulls. Wizards are kind of playing around for that eight seed, eight, nine, ten. But then, right below then is Pacers and Raptors. I just don't believe in the like the rap. Like is Pascal. You, you, I don't have any belief in the team that says Pascal Siakam is your best player, or is Fred VanVleet the best player on the Raptors right now?
0: Simmons could change his conversation too because he could get traded to the Raptors. If he goes there, that that changes things for them. Um, definitely raises their their floor. So I, I think the Raptors like they still have a number of good NBA players. Um, if they stay healthy, like I wouldn't be shocked if they're pretty good, but yeah, they I, do. They are they're going in, back to they're in like that nine, 10, 11 conversation. I
1: think at this point until proven otherwise, the East, the basically the, the point of this exercise is that the East has gotten much better just in terms of depth and no longer is like the cakewalk conference. I don't know. Do you think the East is, Better than the West this year? We've seen the West kind of dominate over the past what feels like 20 years. Um, do you think just overall talent, which conference would you uh, think is better?
0: I think the, the West is still just really tough, man. Like, now they have the Warriors. They're they're loaded up again. Uh, I mean, the Grizzlies were the eight seed. They're very young and should be better. Um, if the Pelicans can
1: do anything with Zion, like, they're, they're still –
0: yeah, like, Luka's only going to grow. The Clippers are still loaded up, although is going to miss time, obviously, maybe even the full season. If he's out for the full season, like... But then you got Phoenix, Utah. I mean, the West is pretty loaded. The East is definitely way better, though. Way better than it has been. And with, I think, a number of teams that have a chance to win a title. Um, with Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and I would throw... Miami is like a fringe fringy title contender if everything goes right for them
1: or were you the source on uh Tim Bontemps' uh secret survey of uh, NBA GMs there was one guy who was like it's gonna be the heat the Heat are winning it all and it was just clearly Pat Riley because you know Bontemps and Pat Riley have a, a pretty close texting conversation uh, yeah I was, <laughs> the source was not me because <laughs> I do not
0: expect the heat to win a title um but I do think like if everything goes right, they're gonna be a very tough out. I, I think the Nets will win a title. If they're healthy, they're gonna they're gonna win.
1: That's kind of the crazy thing, is like we can talk so much about what's gonna happen next season, all the things different things that changed in the offseason. But if the Nets are healthy, like they should be absolute title favorites. Like they ru re- Kevin Durant ruined the NBA again. It should be like when he went to Golden State the first time. Like there should not be a question of who the best team in the league is. They just they have Kevin Durant and then also have MVP James Harden and then also have Kyrie. It's just – it's absurd. It's ridiculous. Have, but they have
0: Joe Harris. They have a lot of other guys that are very Bruce Brown players. Patty Mills. Don't forget about Patty. I forgot he went to the Nets. Yeah, I know you forgot about Patty. So they're just – they have a
1: whole lot of offensive talent. That they do. All right, Thank you guys for listening. That's going to do it for us. Uh, If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, do all the things podcast folks tell you to do. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shout out to the people uh, uh, watching us live on YouTube right now. Uh, Hang out in the comments. If you say something interesting, we'll probably put it up on the screen. And pray
0: for Packard. Pray for Packard. Sunday when we play one-on-one, it's going to be a very, very tough day for him. So just pray for him. Pray for him if you want to go watch us play Langone Park, 2 p.m. in the north end of Boston.
1: It sounds good. Be there, be square. Is uh, being tremendously out of shape potable? Yes. Anything